It's the True Penny Show with your host James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name is True Penny. This is my show. Today we're going to go back in time because we did promise many moons ago to try and review every Ring of Honor pay per view that comes along. There are only four in a year. And Mr. Marcus Green of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, did remind me that we had not done it this week, and we are remiss in doing so. So please welcome Mr. Marcus Green. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. Back again. Obviously, in a different capacity this time as we're talking the uh, the honorable ring. And, uh, <laughs> I'm feel good to get back, you know, get back to uh, Ring of Honor. We try to, like you said, try to stay diligent and, and, and covering it as it's, uh, you know, uh, been trying to fit in its own new groove as a part of... Uh, I guess an AEW subsidiary, if you will. And, uh, yeah, a lot of interesting stuff still going on. So we're going to try to get get everybody caught up as well as ourselves. Indeed. We're trying to get back on track because there's new faces. There's some old faces as well. There's some intriguing matchups. Um, we don't normally bother with Zero Hour, but this Zero Hour was one of the best pre-shows I've ever seen for any pay-per-view. Like, this was a decent show to run by itself. <laughs> like I've seen New Japan shows for pay-per-views that aren't this good this year so I thought it was good for us to go over this we are by the way at uh, the Cure Insurance Arena at Trenton, New Jersey lovely place I'm sure uh, being in New Jersey um, and the show opened with Josh Woods accompanied by Mark Sterling uh, Tony Nice, and Ari Davari and they went up, he went up against Tracy Williams 8 minutes and 40 seconds in a pure rules match um this was not that bad. It was okay. It was, it was a good start to the show, I thought, and kind of introduced pure rules in a good way. Um, I think it could have been better, but Tracy Williams is coming up with a very serious injury. So I think if they had another go around, it would be much improved. But Josh, when Josh Woods, they kind of they they promoted. I can't remember what they said the beast of the the pure division or the essence of the pure division. As a former pure wrestling champion, we we both have been very high on him. What's your thoughts on his performance here and on Tracy Williams? Yeah, I mean, two two studs, man. We we talked about uh, I think when we were going through uh, talking some of the pure tournament um, that initially kicked off the, the the resurgence of our interest in Ring of Honor. Uh, well, certainly mine. You know, we talked about you know, Tracy Williams was, and obviously Josh Woods had a you know very much of a huge breakout in that uh, tournament and, you know, went on some really good success and he was great here. Like you said, Tracy Williams felt like a, a step behind, but like, like you said, obviously come off injury. Uh, but yeah, Woods got the win here and looked dominant. Like you said, solid open to start the show and you can never really go wrong with a pure match, particularly when it's two guys like it who are just primed for that type of style and then really, you know, have seemingly mastered it in a lot of ways. So some good stuff here. Um, interesting scene that I'm guessing, you know, it's been a while since I've seen Tony Nese. Uh, so it's, it's interesting that he's now kind of entering into that foray. So yeah, good stuff. Solid, solid opening. It is, it is interesting to me, like someone like Mark Sterling, who, uh, obviously the leader of the varsity players now, but seemed to be kind of like a one note joke when they started and have suddenly kind of like carved out careers in AEW. <laughs> like, you know, oh, he's not going to be around long or she's not going to be around long. And then like a year later, they've got a full entourage and like, oh, I clearly I was wrong. It, 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 AEW and Ring of Honor in general has been a good place for people to grow, I think. 
and some people have caught on that you never thought would have caught on. And uh, QT Marshall is one of the people I can think of, like, you know, is a, a journeyman guy who's been around forever, but never really got on anywhere. But he's such a utility player and he's so handy to have around AEW and Ring of Honor. He's been absolutely awesome. New Japan strong as well. You know, he's been all over the place just because he's really good at what he does. And that's the kind of people they need on a new TV show. Yeah, and I'm not really a fan of QT. Like it's it's always interesting. Like we kind of kind of was an ongoing joke of about when every time he's on screen, it's like this instant cringe. Just it's not nothing against the guy personally, obviously, but you know that character was kind of just an annoyance for a while. And now, like you said, he's found a lot of success, and I think that's one benefit for a lot of guys with just this expansion of content through AEW, including the Ring of Honor uh, extension, because. It's just allowed a, so many of these guys to try a lot of stuff until something kick, clicked. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like you said, I think it's been a brilliant uh, platform for a lot of these guys to get the, the ability to show just how good they they are, particularly, you know, when we talk about this man called Ring of Honor, that they just haven't either, you know, they've been too in, in, in too crowded of a space elsewhere or they just haven't really had to... to ability to or the room to breathe and I think like something like Ring of Honor and now hopefully something like Zero Hour allows a lot of these guys to breathe, particularly a tag team as we're gonna get into. Yeah, certainly. Yes. I also another point here is people say, Well, we got more T V now than ever, which is true. But you also have to bear in mind back in the day, WWE running primetime television, superstars, wrestling challenge, all American Oh, well, it became primetime. I suppose all Americans, they were only like six or seven hours of TV on national television in a week. WCW had Saturday night's main, the Saturday night show in NWA Pro or WCW Pro as it would become, as well as then eventually running Monday Night Show and Thunder. They didn't drop the other shows as well. You know, they had like five, seven or eight hours. And that's when wrestlers evolved and developed and we all loved because they had time to evolve and develop. And that's what this new wrestling landscape, you can have a couple of years in MLW and become a polished player again. You know, that's the interesting thing. Speaking of two guys who have become polished players, Action Andretti and Darius Martin took on the workhorsemen, Anthony Henry and J.D. Drake. Seven minutes and 22 seconds. A workman-like tag team match. Action Andretti and Darius Martin. Action Andretti kind of just slotted in place with Darius Martin, obviously with his brother currently being out with that horrific broken leg that we saw a few months ago. Uh, apparently due back soon, so that that's cool. It's good they can even walk again, to be honest with you, never mind wrestle, so we're all for that. Um, and this was a bit of a spot fest, but it was a damn fine spot fest. I was it, was it Anthony Henry who's the larger of the two gentlemen who pulled out that moonsault towards the end, because that was amazing. Yeah, I mean, this this was good stuff to me. And, I'll, you know, great appreciation. I always have for good tag team wrestling. A lot of great tag team wrestling that that we've seen, I think, across, you know, uh, looking at something like, you know, obviously being Impact fans and then, you know, now saying everything that's going on in, in AEW and our Ring of Honor, this has been, uh, like you said, it, this was a, I wasn't filling in for somebody's brother. It, it seems like they kind of fit quite well together. You know, when his brother comes back, they might be able to just run this as a trio's and see if they can uh, knock off those guys. Because I think they fit, they fit really well together, even color-coordinated in some ways. And like you said, this was a bit of a spot fish, but it worked because it was also very much playing to the size and power dynamic. Um, and, I, and I thought it, uh, 
like you said, it, it played off really well. And it wasn't exactly as familiar with the with the the worksmen, but they're good as well. You know, a lot of these teams that you you know that are seemingly feels like it's coming out of nowhere are really good. Like I said, just some of these guys just haven't had the platform or the time to show it off. But uh, I could very well see the worksmen kind of you know getting that working their way up through the ranks with somebody like Andretti um, and his partner. They are. Uh, those guys are dynamic. You know, you got high flying and, and power as well in some aspects. I think they'll leave the combination to be reckoned with. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of these two. After that, we go from the sublime to the ridiculous in that particular sense. Layla Hirsch and Trisha Adora, two stellar mat workers going up against each other in a cage match. Give this 1.2. Really? Really? Oh, no. No. Dave. Uncle Dave give it one, one and a half. He's way off. Cage match give it 5.56. I thought it was better than that, to be honest. I did think it was scrappy. I didn't think it was as smooth as it could be, but it's very unlikely that Trisha Adora and Layla Hirsch have necessarily wrestled one another before. Um, and Hirsch with her new heel persona, is she's still kind of getting the wrinkles out of it, and Adora kind of seemed a bit like this is her first pay-per-view kind of thing going on. So I think they will both improve. So I've been a big fan of Trisha Adora for a long time, former Pan-African champion. And I like Lola Hirsch as well, but she seems to have put on some weight. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but it, it certainly seems to have hindered her mobility compared to what she used to be like. Um, so, yeah, what do you think of this one, Marcus? No, I 100% agree with you. It kind of, you can feel the finding it of the match. Mm. Like you can kind of feel like the, the feeling out of each other because. You know, obviously, I think, like you said, this is their, maybe their first time dealing with each other, and then maybe the, the pay-per-view of it all kind of landed up in there. Um, I'm glad you pointed out the, about Hirsch's uh, size kick-up because that, you know, uh, thinking back now, she was uh, smaller to the point where that's kind of what her character was primarily about was just, just her, you know, her itty-bittiness, if you will. But, uh, yeah, maybe that has something to do with her knee. I don't know. Uh, see, she has a brace on, so. Um, you know, maybe that potentially has something to do with it, but uh, this is my first time uh, getting introduced to her opponent, and I think she has a lot of potential. Hirsch, like you said, is kind of still very much finding it with this new hill persona, and then obviously we've seen the interference, which is going to play into that, but uh, yeah, I think both of these, you know, maybe if they'll run it back, maybe they'll, you know, elevate that chemistry, but it was it was just kind of off, and like I said, you could feel the finding. This, it wasn't trash. Trust me, we've seen a litany of worst matches, but <laughs> um, sometimes, sometimes the entirety of a match does uh, end up being, you know, two people trying to just, just kind of find that that spark with each other and uh, trying to fill in the blanks along the way. But it wasn't, you know, trash. Absolutely not. No, it was definitely not. Um, next up, Ar Fox, long time indie star and kind of finding his feet in AEW slash Ring of Honor, more Ring of Honor than AEW. Uh, takes on Ring of Honor Store with Shane Taylor. Um, this was really good. Really enjoyed this. Bit of a banger, really. Um, 10 minutes and 21 seconds. They didn't have an awful lot of time to get things done. But, you know, there is there was an awful lot of, hey, this is my company. This is where I've been, and you have to prove yourself to be here with AR Fox and Shane Taylor. Um, and I, that kind of is a really good angle to get you somewhere, and I really enjoyed that. And that helped things move forward in a great way. Um, and <coughs> pardon me, that was that was the end of my coffee going down the wrong way. Um, 
yeah, I, I really enjoyed this match. And I, again, this could, feels like if Shane Taylor wasn't kind of a little bit lost in the shuffle at the moment, this would feel a lot bigger than it was. And uh, I love Shane Taylor. And I know you love Shane Taylor. And I think we need to see more Shane Taylor doing more Shane Taylory things. But the same could be said for AR Fox. He doesn't see, he's come to the company, he's made a big splash, and he has a fan base, but he doesn't seem to have, nothing seems to have been done with him at that particular point. So there needs to be some forward motion. Not to be critical of this match, it's not their fault. It's just the way things are. But it was a good way of kind of like going home to the main pay per view and getting you excited for that pay per view. What did you think of this one, Marcus? Yeah, same. I, I'd rather see a match with either two of these guys that I don't like. AR Fox is, you know, superb talent, as we know, and Shane Taylor is, uh, you know, just watching his evolution through Ring of Honor through the years has uh, really been something to see. Uh, you're talking about somebody that, that, you know, is loyal to the brand. You know, he stuck around when, you know, I think he might have very well could have went elsewhere, but, you know, Ring of Honor's been good to him and, and, and vice versa, so. Uh, it, it does suck to kind of see him lost in the shuffle, but I think he'll find his way. They just, and maybe this is to the point where, you know, he might appear more on AEW if he wanted to, but he might end up probably getting kind of just moved into a faction. And I don't know if that's what he wants. You know, that's kind of one of the last things he did in the Ring of Honor of old when he had his uh, Shane Taylor promotion, which I thought was amazing. Um, yeah. But even those guys yeah. have kind of kind of moved on and did their own thing uh, in their own right. And I think Shane kind of very much wants to do his thing on the dolo because obviously he's great in that regard as well. So, you know, hopefully he'll find his groove. Maybe we'll see him, you know, uh, you know, have a linear matches and maybe he'll run a run a match with, with Claudio. You know, he, he's taking on all talented stuff. So. Uh, but, yeah, this match was fine. It just didn't necessarily have anything behind it. And. Talking about AR Fox, it seems that they're moving him more towards, you know, some of his historical context with uh, Strickland, you know, AEW. So um, he's he's gaining a bit more of a narrative. He's also found himself in AEW kind of filling in spots with teams when, you know, certain things have been needed. So um, I think he's picking up more momentum. But hopefully we see the same with Shane because uh, he's just too talented to waste, you know. I mean, I that is a big argument on the AEW ROH roster. <laughs> it's just like too talented to waste. And of course you want to sign him because you've got him there, but you've got to do something with him and you've got him. So let's move to the main show, which opened with what was billed as a dream lucha match. Gravity versus Commander, uh, 10 minutes and five seconds um, of lots of lucha stuff. If you're into this kind of thing, absolutely brilliant. If you're not into this thing, just not your cup of tea, really. I think this this is I don't I don't mean to be negative because these guys pulled out some brilliant spots, but it was telling that the wrestling move won the match. And a lot of the time they spent on commentary of like, you know, Commander wants to pull off the coolest moves, whereas Gravity wants to win. And I think that's that is kind of like the duality, which is a nice angle to tell about in the wrestling show. Um, but equally you've got to move that story forward then. So Commander has to learn to win matches, not just go for the flashy moves. And you know, then that's that's really cool, and in one sense, but also it kind of telegraphs what's going to happen with Commander for a while. <laughs> but um, having said that, this match was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I'm not a huge Lucha fan as much as it was in my younger days. When I was a young mm. man many years ago, I did enjoy my Lucha, and I'd like I like watching old Lucha, 
like I like learning stuff about UWA and and like the nine the eighties and seventies promotions because that's intriguing to me is like how things got somewhere, um, like how the UWA was developed and then eventually used by AAA. But you know, modern lucha, we should really look at Triple Mania at some point. But we're just <laughs> just too much other stuff to get on to watch, so we don't. Um, but there's nothing wrong with this match. I enjoyed it for what it was. Just on my cup of tea. What about you, Marcus? Yeah, just as a stand-up fan, it's kind of hard not to like some of these matches, but I can understand it. And we're, you know, we're biased because we, you know, we grown appreciation for some really great stuff, and and we're not not saying that we're not. Uh, I very much, you know, appreciate that style, but sometimes it does kind of come off like, um, you know, as as you know, you would talk about in days of old, talking about Brian Cage. Sorry, a very loud motorcycle just drove past my house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I just, <laughs> That but, uh, yeah, more like, often than I, you would think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shout out to that guy. Um, but, yeah, it does kind of come off sometimes like the proverbial every man kind of just getting their stuff in. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of going to like Commander, but to your point, it, it is coming off like he's just kind of more concerned with getting the flashy moves off as opposed to winning, which is why he's running into guys like Gravity and and the battle tested, you know, somebody like uh Ray Phoenix who can do those same moves but have very much been, you know, put in situations where they needed to retain titles and, and such. So they know very much the how to capitalize off guys like Commander who, you know, very much wants to do some tightrope walking moonsaults uh multiple times and, and it very much can easily get caught. So hopefully, you know, he kinda kicks it into another gear and kind of Mixes maybe some submissions or whatnot in there because Commander is, is, is really good, but you don't want to just become the guy that, you know, pops the crowd with everybody kind of seemingly knowing you're going to ultimately lose, you know. <laughs> it reminds me of the Brian Danielson story about the fact that I think he did that wrestling and he said, Is there any place where you didn't get over? And he went, Yeah, Mexico. He said, Why is that? He said, Because in Mexico, he said, The guys told me the only thing that matters in Mexico is your entrance and your ring outfit. <laughs> he said, "Look at me!" Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that's hilarious. <laughs> He's like, "So yeah," I said, "I could do all the moves I wanted to. I won't get it over because I didn't have a flashy ring entrance. And I didn't wear flashy clothes. I wore red tights and red boots. And that was it." <laughs> so yeah, you see, it's like so. That's the thing. It's like the, the flashy moves thing does still sell in Mexico, obviously, because they're kind of like. It developed for them out of the fact that their rings were incredibly stiff, so they couldn't do like flying crossbodies off the top rope without damaging themselves seriously. So they did everything to the floor because it was safer to land on the floor because you could land on your feet. Hence, why all of the aerial stuff and the tricky stuff came about for them. French wrestling was the same as well. Um, loads of aerial stuff in French wrestling. Well, that does mean you have a tendency to be. It tends to become more gymnastics than wrestling in certain cases. And some of my favorite wrestlers ever are luchadors, you know, like Heavy Metal and, and Rey Mysterio, obviously, and La Parker and all of these guys. But equally, I got I dug the characters and the stories they were telling in the matches, not the big moves necessarily. But anywho, that's a thing for a thing. But it, 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 it's nice that it has a place in mainstream wrestling. And again, it, a lot of the criticism of Ring of Honor has always been that it's like a one-trick pony of serious wrestling. And at least they are like... Tony Khan has kind of like tried to broaden that a lot more. And the old Ring of Honor in the old days 
towards the end, we did see a lot of more Lucha on the shows to kind of broaden things going, really. All right, then. Yeah. We shall... Sorry, carry on. No, I was like, yeah, you got you to gotta, you gotta keep things interesting across the court. Definitely. And next up, Samoa Joe defeated Dalton Castle by referee's decision when Stokely Hathaway <clears throat> had the boys removed for not doing anything particularly illegal and Samoa Joe cheated to finish, which may result in the um, Wrestling Observer newsletter score of two and a half and the, uh, the cage match inmates 5.68. But I thought it was an eight because I like this because it did something different with a Samoa Joe character we've not seen before. If you want to see it as a pure wrestling match, no, it's not that good. But it doesn't matter because it's Dalton Castle versus Samoa Joe and it was never going to be about a pure wrestling match. This is about the honour of Ring of Honour and the honour of the television championship and the former, you know, two former world champions. It's as close to event-level wrestling that Ring of Honour gets because of the way that it's set up. So I had no issue with this match at all, whereas people seriously did because it went to referee's decision. You know, it was it was a, it was an odd decision, and that was that. Um, but I'm I I didn't think it was, was that I don't think it was bad. I thought it was really good for what it was, but that isn't necessarily a great Ring of Honor match given what goes on in Ring of Honor. Where you fit with this one, Marcus? I dug it. I like it. Big fan of Samoa Joe. Big fan of Dalton. And then, like you said, you point about telling that story about you know just the history those guys in that company and then bringing it to that, you know, that TV title, which Joe's been brilliant with. Uh, it's been, it's been really good coming off of, uh, his very up and down WWE career. Um, to, to see him, you know, kind of have that fervor and that, 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 uh, fire reignited in him and, and getting back to that dominance with the TV title on uh, the various views he's had with it. Um, like I, you know, this is a unique combination because it's, you know, these guys have, you know, just had, a linear great matches on their own, then you bring them together. You also tell the story underneath that of, you know, we know Castle, you know, you know, history with his back and it's like, obviously he's a, you know, big, strong boy in that regard, but the back plays a part into that, particularly with his moveset, the way he likes to pull on suplexes and whatnot. You topple some more Joe on to that, that's a different layer of difficulty. So, you know, that that's even more impressive that he was able to push Joe to his limit to the point where Joe had to result to some very obvious dirty tactics and then take him out with the technical submission. So, um, yeah, like you said, not, you know, not no five star by any means, but I thought it very much well got the job done and and showed that that Joe could very much well be put in jeopardy, you know, to the point where he really had to, you know, go low. So I thought it was brilliant. And, and who's to say that if they don't run it back, that Castle couldn't get the win, so maybe we'll see that sometime later. But it's it's great to see Dalton still very much back in the mix, and then the boys are you know part and parcel with him. He's gonna have hard to have Castle and not have the boys. So a fine match, like you said, definitely an eight for sure. <laughs> Just to annoy people, and this is, this is the reason why I'm at. Like the next match, the cage match guys give it seven point eight four, and Uncle Dave give it four and a quarter, and I hated it. I would say I hated it. I, I I enjoy all the effort everybody put into it, but it's a spot pass from beginning to end. I am absolutely begging promoters, whatever company you are from, please stop putting multi-tag team matches onto pay-per-views. I actually figured it out the other day because me and my friend 
uh, Christy watching um, Bo, the Bound for Glory? No, Slammiversary, that's it. And I said I hadn't seen an Impact Wrestling tag team title match that wasn't a straight team-on-team -team tag team title match for three years, and I was right. Literally every pay-per-view they've had, for the, or the ones that I've watched, I tend to watch Bound for Glory and Slammiversary, and I haven't watched all of them. But every men's tag team match has been a multi-team match. And they're a mess. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this was no different. It was a mess. It was the living definition of a spot fest. Um, and Aussie Open take the titles. And it's like, well, you could have had Aussie Open versus the Lucha Brothers and done this in 17 minutes and have like an absolute God-level match because those two teams would give you God-level performance. And in the end, we ended up with a match that was fine and just kind of, all right, in my eyes, and Marcus might think differently, would have been so much better. And it, it, it partly goes down to let's get everybody on the card, which, you know, is kind of a common issue with promoters these days. But also it's just like, this wasn't needed. <laughs> you know, you just don't need it. You could have had four decent quality main events for Ring of Honor television out of this match, you know, instead. And Aussie Open could have still ended up with the belts. I know you probably don't want the Lucha Brothers to lose clean, but sometimes somebody's got to lose. <laughs> so that is my thoughts on it. I don't know how you feel, Marcus. Look, I always appreciate the ability for these matches to, to, to go off without it seeming like, seeming like a complete cluster F. And by cluster F, I mean just, you know, the whole woo all over the place. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows really what the assignment is, if you will. Um, but I have waned uh, primarily being an Impact fan over these multi-man tag matches that are unnecessary. Now, they do. They have run matches in Impact. Um, I don't necessarily know if they've been titled, but I've seen, like, subculture come in. Um, oh, oh yeah, is, I'm not saying yeah. there haven't been straight tag matches. I'm saying pay-per-view yeah. tag matches. I Absolutely. can't remember yeah. the last one where it was one team on another. Yeah, and I'm about four weeks behind on Impact leading up to this big uh, multiverse show, so I'm going to got to get caught up on that. But they, it's interesting because they run those matches, ironically enough, on, on the weekly shows. But, yeah, to your point, the big pay-per-view matches, they just have this need to kind of, put everybody in there and it's not necessary, particularly when, you know, that, that scene and impact has been really hot. Um, and just a simple two on two was fine. And, and to your point about this match, they could have ran this, um, and did like a mini almost tournament style have, you know, two teams go here, two teams go later. And then the winning teams face off for the straps. And it would have been, you know, or, or do that leading up to the show. And then to your point, like you said, have the loser bros versus Ozzy open which is an absolute banger, would have been an absolute banger because Ozzy Open has been brilliant. They've been all over the place killing it. And the, and the loser bros are absolute studs, not to take away from the kingdom or, or best friends, but I, I think if you tear it, I'm um, putting Ozzy Open and loser bros at the top. Um, yeah, so this was fine. Uh, and, and I, you know, hate to see the loser bros get knocked off, but if you're going to get knocked off, Ozzy Open, you know, these ain't no scrubs, you know, so... Um, Hopefully, to your point, they can get back to uh, doing the team on team, two on two, which we're going to get off into talking about all in. Um, but, yeah, this 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 could have been dialed back. Like you said, this was the proverbial get your stuff in match. And it's always cool to see 
but it don't it don't really have that meat on the bone that you crave from that that classic uh tag team match like when you talking about it now i'm thinking back all the way back to nxt years ago showing them classics between uh like ftr and american alpha stuff like that yeah yeah it is i was discussing this the other day and i was saying i was like i think back to my favorite all-time tag team well my favorite wrestling matches ftr and the briscoes ozaki dynamite kanzai versus minami toyota and um Toshio Yamada. Um, those are my two favorite matches ever that I've ever seen. And it is mm. like, and I think best of three fall tag team matches may be the ultimate way of telling a wrestling story, you know. Um, and like, I'm no, and you've got better tag teams now than you've had since the early 90s. Absolutely. You know, you, you've, you've, got, you've got the equivalents of the Steiner Brothers and the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express and, and Doom and the Hart Foundation and the Bulldogs. And, you know, that you can find a team that will replicate any team, great team of, of wrestling history. And it is like, why aren't we getting more? Instead of just ramming everybody together and opening all the work, you know. And it, it was one of those things that was kind of like the signature thing New Japan did at the with the junior tag teams at, at the opening Wrestle Kingdom for about five years. You can go back and look on the New Japan World and find them. They were, and they were great, great matches, but they only did it once a year. It wasn't every show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Anywho, um, next match with the possibility, you know, we can, there are constant jokes about Tony Khan's uh, um social habits with the Colombian marching powder and this perhaps is living proof <laughs> of, uh, 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 of not, um, the book, not the booger sugar yeah no. uh, I'm not suggesting that obviously you know those are purely rumors of conjecture and we would neither of us in any court of law would ever stand up and say that he was but I'm saying Booking Leon Ruffin and Team Six or Nine Masterwato and Raisuki Taguchi together against the Mogul Embassy may have had some exterior influence. Somebody's been waking up. Somebody woke up and got really inspired by playing with their action figures. Yeah. Oh yeah, this <laughs> <laughs> was like this is some left brain thinking. <laughs> Let's get the three biggest monsters on the roster. And stick him up against the smallest guy on the roster, the best of Super Juniors champion, and a guy who literally can't tell his ass from his elbow. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna get we're gonna get three guys who clearly, you know, eat full breakfasts every morning. And put them against guys who look like they skip breakfast most of the mornings. You know, it's like it's not it's not yeah. I, I, well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure what to do. She is, and quite frankly, I don't want to know. Because <laughs> that boy needs some help. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like Leon Ruffin. This is the first time mean scene. He, he's kind of taken on the cheeseburger role. I'll leave the fact that the cheeseburger had charisma and talent. I'm not saying that Ruffin doesn't, but you know what I mean. <laughs> Do you know how hilarious it is that you said that? That I actually thought that's who that was before I found. Oh, that's because yeah, I thought that's who that was. I'm like, oh, the cheeseburgers back. And you're like, oh no, that's okay. No, um, no, that's, 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 yes, that's not him. But it's just it's kind of it's just kind of how it is. But yeah, this is 
this is one of those times where we talk about, and this happens a lot when we talk about go through these shows. Sometimes you just have a match on the show that you just might as well write on the card next to it. Don't even put what type of match it is. Just put far gone conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's just like, uh, they're never going to beat them. Don't care how good they are, they're just not going to beat those three monsters. And they didn't, and that was last. And it was perfectly fine and entertaining, and, you know, Taguchi butt-butting people will never not be funny. It never will. It's like, hey, it's Taguchi, he's going to hit people with his backside. There's nothing to that. On a base level, it's a hoot. You can't, you know, it's just running at people with your bum. You can't possibly go wrong. However... That does not necessarily translate to a fine sporting contest. Yeah, I mean, honestly, they might have not even need a cage for this match. <laughs> it could have just been Bishop and Toa. Like, those guys, like I said, they they eating full breakfasts on that side of the fence every morning. They're not missing no meals. And it's like, it's just one clothesline. And, and it's like, it, you know, comes off like a, like a Mortal Kombat finish and these type of styles. So it's like, like I said, they they fought they fought a good fight, but it's you know it's just a different tier as we're going to talk about you know the next match. You know, it's oh, just yeah. certain people are just on different. <laughs> this uh, yeah, I, nothing wrong, lads. It was all good, but the the next match is wrestling. <laughs> oh boy, Katsuyori Shibata wrestled Daniel Garcia, fourteen minutes and thirty six seconds for the Ring of Honor Pure Championship, fought under pure rules. This was stiff. Daniel Garcia, as he will tell you quite often loudly, is a sports entertainer. He's not a professional wrestler, um, but he's an exceptionally good professional wrestler. Katsuyori Shibata had someone he could go with. And underneath that solemn exterior, he was smiling inside because he got to kick people really hard. And he did. A lot. <laughs> Shibata is something else. And I, ha- I still get goosebumps every time I hear that music. Um, because I watched that match with Okada and I didn't know what would go on after that and it's absolutely a blessed thing I so someone did point out like why why won't Ring of Honor let him wrestle I mean sorry New Japan let him wrestle when obviously he still works for New Japan he runs their dojo um, and I think it is because TK likes to see him wrestle and he wants to give him the opportunity and he's quite willing to take the risk on the medical side but they keep him in the pure rules division for a reason because he doesn't take big bumps to the outside and you know they protect him really really well um and this was a good example of that daniel garcia getting working around those issues and getting an absolutely blistering match out of a guy who is still an exceptional professional wrestler even with the limitations on his health and we never thought we'd see it again and i'm always so happy that we do your thoughts sir Oh, man, I'm 100% uh, brilliantly said by you, my friend. Everything you said, like, you know, we just did this. This was not a possibility at one point. We were just hoping that he pulled through as a human mm. um, through his ordeal because it, it was it was very much looking grim there for a minute. And, uh, that you know, thank the good Lord and, you know, all the energy of the universe that, that you know, uh, he's where he's at now. Uh, but I think, you know, when they when Undertaker had that match with AJ uh, at Mania, that 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 cinematic match, if you will, that kind of catered, you know, uh, you know, just to the the other worldliness of it all. I said that was probably the best outcome for Taker as a final match because it fully catered to what was left of his strengths. 
Mm. Um, and and with Cash George about like you said, where he was to where he is, this is the best case scenario to keep him active and and, and uh, engaged in in a very logical um, and successful way as a champion that that maintains his badassery but doesn't take it overboard to the styles and, and situations where he doesn't necessarily need to be in. And I think, you know, I think he said in the press conference that that was, you know, going around uh, Twitter talking about he was how, how thankful he was to Tony for putting him in a position to to really, you know, do what he loves again and fall in love with it again. And I think, you know, obviously I would have had a lot of people want to see him back in New Japan, but I think this is the, probably the best case scenario for him right now on all fronts, you know, both in the ring and, and health-wise. And, you know, carrying over to, to Daniel Garcia, no scrub, I think, you know, he's really, I've really come around on him because, you know, that, that second version of, of uh, the Jericho faction just hasn't really worked for me at all. Uh, but but I think he's been the best part coming out of it. And, uh, you know, he's really put himself in position to put on some absolute banger matches. But again, like I was saying, going back to that tag match, there's different tiers. And Cassio Shibata is just a different tier. Daniel Garcia gave as good as he got, but I never felt in this match where Shibata was in danger at all. You know, so. I think this is the thing is, like, Garcia can go. You know, like, I've watched his indie matches and he's a monster. And it's a bit like showing the House of Torture in the sense of, you know, he's doing it for a reason and that's to draw tickets and make money. But it's such a shame because he's such a good wrestler. <laughs> but Daniel Garcia managed to meld both into the same character and managed to do it really, really well. And I think you're, I think you're right on the Jericho stuff. I don't watch AEW religiously, so I, 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 but the bits I do see, I think the first version of the Jericho crew was kind of like to get Jericho over and yeah. MJF over, and then the second version was to get everybody else over. And I think that's what's worked. That Garcia is a good example of how they've got him over, um, you know, um, 2.0 as well. Because I can never remember their new names, but they're really good. <laughs> you know, but um, they they do, I think that's the thing. It's like, I understand why he hasn't gelled for you, but I can understand why it's worked for the others and not Jericho. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And to, to your yeah. point, I think, you know, blending that whole, I'm not a... Uh... You know, I'm not a, a wrestler. I'm a sports entertainer. That whole yeah. deal. Uh, it, it's been interesting with him finding that and having that kind of discourse and, you know, back and forth with Jericho and trying to very much find his way in that. I think it's been a real good story telling Edelman for that character while kind of, like, he obviously brags about being a sports entertainer, but he's he's so good at what he does and is so entrenched at wrestling. He can't help but get in situations like this and mm-hmm. show out again. Mm-hmm. You know, some guys like Shibata, who has been in absolute wars, you know, that 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 that's a mountain for a guy like Garcia. You know, so obviously this was a this was a great match. But, uh, yeah, he, he got a ways to go before he can knock off the, the king, you know. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Dark Order versus The Righteous was up next. And it was a fight without honor. Alex Reynolds, Evil Uno and John Silver going up against Stu Grayson who turned his back on Evil Uno and the, the Dark Order some months ago, and Dutch and Vincent. Vincent came into the company after his run with Impact Wrestling and has kind of found his home, re-found his home in Ring of Honor, obviously a former member of the kingdom, 
And he's really had a chance to let that character grow in ways that he didn't really get a chance to do in Impact because he's he may have been too weird for Impact. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he, he was he, he was also it was hard for him to kind of stand out because he was basically also um, PCO's keeper. <laughs> yeah. It's Every time like, he died, like, oh, hold up, people, let me go back and resurrect him. Oh, hold on. <laughs> I gotta yeah. go plug him back in. Yeah. And that PCO used to go did that. It was really good at it. So why didn't hire him? <laughs> Don't be cheap. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's and yeah. So it's like he never really got a hold. But since he came back to Ring of Honor, he's a guy you want to you you're a bit more spellbound by, a bit more into. And I've loved Stu Grayson, Evil Owner for the last fifteen years. And as much as you know, it pains me to see the Super Smash Brothers break up. It is a. It was a. This was a great match from a storytelling point of view. It is not the best wrestling match in the world. It was a bit all over the place, um, and there seems to be an awful lot more concern with bleeding than wrestling. But um, it was dramatic. It was high. It dragged me in. I wanted to know what was going on, and you know, because I've been a fan of the Super Smash Brothers for a long time, and I wanted to see what was going to happen, and that's what wrestling match is supposed to do. Doesn't matter if it's like, you know, in, in some ways, it doesn't matter if it's a great technical match or not. Does it tell the story? And this told that story for me. And uh, very satisfied with the result. And yes, I hope, well, I don't hope we get more bloody girl fest like this. <laughs> Every once in a while, once a year is fine by me. <laughs> um, said the guy who was trying to persuade you to watch a freedom show this week, but there you go. I don't know. I like in deathmatch pro deathmatch companies. I don't mind it so much, but in non-deathmatch companies, I'm a bit squeamish. I don't know why that is. Anywho, your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Yeah, this was this 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 worked. You know, um, you know, I mean, it was a fight without honor, so you know, we, you know, I don't know what 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 you get in for. I've kind of, I very much had a, I guess, up and down relationship when it comes to the dark order. Uh, because, because the only time it really, really worked was when, you know, God rest his soul, John Huber was leading it, um, and, and that whole vibe. And I, and I think I, I've, you know, kind of stuck with being more sympathetic to him, obviously, you know, after after his after his passion, because it it kind of seems like they're, you know, are very much trying to remain together, um, as as that character's legacy, um. You know, on that brand, and it's uh, it's been interesting because also they've they've seemingly adopted his son into the fold as well, and that's been that's been cool to see. But um, that's me being up on it, down on the dark orders. Kind of, they've kind of reminded me of the dark days of Aces and Eights, where one week is twenty people and the, the next week is four. All of a sudden, mm. and you don't you don't really know where the narrative is, and maybe that has something to do with why somebody like Stu Grayson defected because it's like. You know, we're basically treading water here. We were supposed to be this one thing, trying to be this other thing. Um, all of a sudden, we seem to be some type of backup support group exclusively for Hangman for some reason. And, you know, then we go back to being a, a regular tag team trying to climb the ranks to the next. So it's been interesting seeing these guys, you know, trying to find a way to stay together at the same time. Um, and then, they're, you know, Eva Uno and John Silver to me probably stand out the most. Uh, and obviously, it's cool seeing Vincent in, in a more prominent role as himself. So this was this was fine. You know, these guys. It was a hell of a hell of a match. I mean, you had everything in the kitchen sink in here, even to the point of Legos. 
So, uh, <laughs> right, you know, we've, got, we've got to have this conversation, Marcus. It's not Legos, it's Lego. Ah, <laughs> the company is called Lego. Lego. I, I, Lego. Yeah, I, I am as as I have. I'm literally got a Lego model of a uh, Jeep. Um, oh, a Jeep behind me and a Camaro. I use Lego all the time. Still, as an adult, <laughs> it's Lego singular. I don't explain to me why they call it Legos because it's wrong. Yeah, it's you know how you know how it is in America. We just <laughs> if, it sounds, <laughs> if it just sounds better, we'll go really, even if that's not the correct thing. But uh, <laughs> no, good, good on you, man. That's a that's a that's a really good uh thing to do in your spare time because that's something like that that takes you know a lot of patience and time. But you know, uh, it, it those helps. things are beautiful things to look at. Yeah, <laughs> I played with it as a kid, and then a couple of years ago, I was like. Being a guitar player, I always want something to do with my hands. It's one of the reasons why I start putting computers together and play with cameras and stuff. It's because I'm always doing something with my hands as well. And so we spoke And, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like when I got those, the, the, they've been really cool for that kind of work and stuff. So, yes, but yeah. yes, I, I could, I was listening to Rick Abani going, Legos. I'm like, no, it's Lego. Singular. <laughs> Danish company called Lego. But anyway, yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I said, I, pre I very much appreciate the time and, and, and patience and dedication it takes to, to put into that consistently as a as a uh, a hobby, if you will. So, you know, good on you. Uh, but yeah, this match had everything. Um, you know, kudos to these men. You know, you AEW, you know, they'll never be short on situations that can yield blood. <laughs> um, so you know, good on good on these fellas, and then Dark World takes the win. It's gonna be interesting seeing what they do. You know, coming off of this, I think they could very much well go for the six man with that with that trio that they got. But uh, we'll see. I think I think that's the thing. I mean, it, it depends what they want to do with that six man title because they seem to be firmly ensconced in keeping it down on on those guys for whatever reason because it gives them something to do, I suppose. But they're not yeah. make anything with them. You know, the, the, yeah, it's difficult. It's a mid, it's a proper mid card title. It's like you look at the never open weight six man tag team championships and the AW six man tag team championship. They're on big name teams, and the Ring of Honor six man tag team championships. They're an imposing team, but you wouldn't consider them the great six man teams of all time, would you? No, no. So, mm, anywho, we've got a double main events to talk about though. The Ring of Honor World's Heavyweight Champion, Claudio Castagnoli, successfully defended against the Bastard back. 18 minutes and 36 seconds. This was an outstanding performance from both men. Booked on the fly after injuries to um, Mark Briscoe, which uh, stopped him challenging Claudio Castagnoli for the title. Um, and as this was booked on the fly, it was the semi-main event, and they put a banger in. This was all came off of the heat from the fallout from the big previous show where Pac kind of abandoned the Blackpool Combat Club uh, in the cage. I can't remember what the name of the event is, Marcus. What's that thing they could do with the... It was War Games. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Or the, that War Games thing that they call it. Anyway, yeah. Um, Pac walked out on them after a miscommunication with Claudio. Because you can't trust Claudio Castagnoli because Eddie Kingston said so. And he was right. <laughs> Because, you know, he's Claudio. He's untrustworthy. Your thoughts on this, Marcus? No, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's Claudio and his pack. 
you know, by themselves, they'll probably put them together. A banger is the only natural result, particularly when it's given the proper time. Tell me when I'm telling lies. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 it was, you know, it's like I said, it's, it's Pocket, it's Claudio. You know, you get these guys time to breathe, and it's, you know, I, I put that in the main event against most things on, on, on calls across the industry. So, uh, yeah, obviously, Claudio retained with a little bit of a little Blackpool Combat Club influence. And I think uh, Pac maybe could have taken it if not for that. But, uh, yeah, and, and going back to his uh, – kind of walking out it's kind of like you could always use the thing of like i'm called the bastard pack like you would have i could do any type of behavior that lends itself to that moniker so don't be surprised but uh yeah this was uh they they could they could run this as a as a you know a series of matches for me i never get tired of watching these guys go they, they're absolutely brilliant yeah, this was this was a lot of fun to watch and there was kind of like a fallout um after this match with the um, best friends and um, Lucha Bros coming out to, uh, well, Lucha Bros reforming Death Triangle with Pac because they have business with Blackpool Combat Club and then best friends coming down to kind of like separate Blackpool Combat Club because they have issues with them and Death Triangle, which is yeah. nice. It's old school booking. It's a bit like Bill Watts booking in the UWF in, in the 80s and 90s where you have a group, bunch of guys go up against a bunch of guys and it cycles yeah. round, which is what you, which is what they've been doing in AEW for a while. Um, yeah. And yes, sorry, carry on. No, I just, I just, I just loved the Black uh, Blackpool Combat Club because I feel like they very well could have easily, maybe in a in, in another place, um, losing Regal would have would have caused uh, a easy avenue for them to just break those guys up. Um, and, and go to separate ways and whatnot. But the fact that they seem like there's, you know, they've stuck together even harder since, you know, Regal took his leave and, and solidified themselves is basically the the faction on the roster that wants all the smoke all the time. Uh, I love it because they they've they've just been, you know, they're like gravity and they're pulling everybody to them and they're absolutely meeting all the challenges, you know, whether it's in the ring, in a stadium, in a parking lot, they don't care. You know, so I think that's uh, that's been brilliant to the point where they've actually got a faction back together in the death triangle. So that's, you know, I, I just think they're one of the best things consistently going in the company right now. I think that's the thing. It's like they do. I, and this is one thing AEW does and impact to a certain extent, which is kind of find the job, follow the Japanese model of have um, uh, factions stay together for a long time because you sell T-shirts, if nothing else. You know, it's like it always defies me in WWE, like you know, the break up a tag team or a faction after about three weeks, and it's like, well, how many T-shirts you're not selling because that faction isn't together, and you put the time into getting them over, you know, get some money back. You know, like Chaos has been together for like 14 years. <laughs> Public clubs celebrating their 10th anniversary this year. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's just like, how many T-shirts did Bullet Club sell? Like, yeah, I mean, the, thousands. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's and I think there was a, a quote by Tanahashi recently talking about the, the influence of Bullet Club um, that I saw. It might have been old, uh, but I saw it on Twitter talking about how influential that uh, faction just has been, not only in New Japan, but on the industry. But I feel like, you know, now I'd, I'd obviously have to do the math on this, and you have a lot of it for historical context, but I feel like the only in recent memory 
certainly certainly from my generation that the only team that they've really done that with or the faction is New Day. Yeah. yeah. But they've allowed them to run, I think, for most of it just because they would have just had such disbelief that it was working in the first place. That they were just kind of <laughs> waiting for it to fall off on its own and it never did. No, and a lot of that a lot of that came down to the hard work of the guys involved who were like and they tried to break them up several times and they were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Because it works, and it, and it, is, it boils down to is like old adage, like um, uh, Ricky Martin was talking to New Jack of all people about like um, when when um, the gangsters broke up, and Ricky Martin called up <laughs> New Jack because they'd been friends from the Smoky Mountain days, and he was like, "What's Mustafa doing?" And he said, "Well, he wants to go and be a single star." And he said, what an idiot. I can't stand Robert Gibson, the Rock and Roll Express tag team partner. But we know which side our bread's put on. We're only any good as a tag team, and that's how we make our money. So we're never splitting up. He said, it drives me nuts, the guy. And he said, we haven't really gotten on as friends in a long while. We know where to make money. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think they're much more friendly now. They don't have to live with each other every day. But you know what I mean? Is like the entire concept of, like, you know, we're here to make money so we stick together to make money if we'll make more money breaking up then we'll break up but until then let's stick together and make money yeah and it's so funny talking about that aspect of it because you look at that and and i would imagine just back in the old you know classic times if you will that that was more of a um regular thing and, and people probably probably care to know or admit um just because you know in in those times you kind of it wasn't easy, you know, to, to find something that kind of clicked like lightning in the bottle. So, you know, and, and as many shows and dates as those guys ran, it probably was better to be able to kind of share that load. But now we in the whole through time and generation where it's like so many more of these factions and teams are actually family that, you know, you don't necessarily uh, get as much of that. But I do commend those guys for just, uh, well, more than a way for knowing that, like, look, man, the bread is buttered a certain way. Yeah. The, the run, we need to ride this out till the wheels fall off for as long as we can, because you know other people don't have this, and most people don't get this solo, let alone you know together. So you know you got to have that kind of mindset. I think you know you saw stuff like that with the the Dudleys. They knew you know that that it worked better when they were together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Bully had to you know change his whole real lifestyle to change, you know, how his character was perceived, uh, you know, to go into that bully character. So, yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of times you just, you just better together and it's, it's, it's brilliant to see that, you know, with the, the combat club and they, and they're killing it even without Daniels. Now, when he comes back, that's going to be a completely different animal. But, uh, yeah, you got, you got three studs, you, you got to work it. Well, I'm wondering because, because each Okada now has nothing to do at Wrestle Kingdom. Because he's not challenging for the world championship, he's got no one to have a go at. Do we get Brian Danielson versus Kazuchika Okada two at Wrestle Kingdom? Because that's the obvious thing to do. I don't, I don't see why. Not. I mean, it already seems weird saying Wrestle Kingdom and Okada with nothing to do. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I mean, the odds are he's not going over the crag. I mean, there is the possibility, I suppose, of World Tag League. But he hasn't wrestled in World Tag League in God knows how long, like six years or something. And, you know, 
Chaos already has Bishamon in there. And if he was do it, and the thing is, his regular tag partner, Hiroshi Tanahashi, has Toriyano to tag with during Tag League because they do actually really do quite well together. <laughs> so it's like, he, I doubt he'll do World Tag League. Um, so the only thing that kind of like pops into my head for him to do is Brian Danielson in Tokyo, the second match, and do something different with it, best of three falls, or under New Japan rules instead of AW rules. I don't know. We'll see, won't we? That's the whole thing. But for the first time, a Ring of Honor show was main evented by the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship. Athena defeated Willow Nightingale, 20 minutes and 31 seconds, in the best match of two women in a Tony Khan promotion I've seen since the beginning of Tony Khan promoting wrestling. I think this was a main event worthy match. It had a main event feel. And I saw more than one person this week saying that Athena is the real face of Ring of Honor, not Claudio, which I think is fair enough. Not does not say that Claudio hasn't tried being the face of Ring of Honor, but she's there every week doing everything and isn't distracted by AEW stuff. She's on the show, she's doing the thing, even though she's a heel. People love her, like they adore her. And she has seems to be the happiest I've seen her in her career, doing things she needs to do to be the best wrestler she can be. Willow Nightingale has got this year because everywhere she's gone, she's had incredible matches with everyone she's had in the ring with her. So no exception. This was beautiful. Made you callbacks to the women of the past to make sure their presence were felt back in the woman of honor days which was really cool to see, which didn't really detract from the match. It was kind of a nice little bit of the ghosts of Ring of Honor past, or Women of Honor past. Women of Honor Wednesdays, remember them? Back in the day on YouTube? Well, there you go. Those, those people who worked the hardest that they possibly could to get the Women of Honor um, recognized, people like Daisy Hayes and uh, Death Ray Del Rey, and um, those people got the recognition they deserved in this match because they should have been main eventing those those shows too. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Yeah, man, tell me when you're telling lies. Um, <laughs> this was just, I mean, look, the only thing that that that, that was gonna be better um, than that than that uh, Claudio Pack match was this. Um, Willow Nightingale is one of my favorite performers uh, going right now, and certainly one of the hottest baby faces I think in the industry. I mean, her kinship with the crowd is just. Uh, it's just crazy. It's insane. You know, she really has tapped into something as a performer, both from a from a character perspective and when she gets in that ring, it's just a different gear. Athena has just been like I know I know, you know, the Monica that that, you know, you know, uh that goes with range, but to me she's in God mode right now. Um it's it's absolutely insane. Like she, to me, the hottest points for her in, in, in WWE was her NXT her NXT days, particularly her second run, where she kind of upped the aggression and kind of switched some things over. But here, it's like it's like she's completely reinventing herself. Like you said, she's absolutely brilliant in every point of contention. Um, she really feels like she's really driving her own net with this character at, at every point. From how it's presented, what she says, what, how she looks, these matches, these interactions, it's just, it really does feel like her show, obviously, no knock at Claudio, but she really does feel like she's put every nail at every point of the board here, and everything is just clicking for her. Um, she looks incredible with that championship. 
And she she's really she's the queen. You know, she's the top of the bomb right now. And I think it's it's few people that that can that can top her right now across the board. Like in terms of women across the industry, like she she's up there, hands down. And Willow is a brilliant opponent for her. This match was insane. Um, you know, you rarely see if ever people kick out of that doggone um a Willow, not Willow, but Athena's finisher. I don't know why I'm like the clips. There, there it is. You rather see people get out of that, and the fact that she did that shows just, you know, how important this match was, and and Athena did the same with Willow's finisher. So, yeah, to me, Athena really just has been in God mode, and somebody said it on Twitter, and I, I think I agree. She's the reason to watch Ring of Honor right now, hands down. Like they have a, a lot of great stuff across the board in that in that on that brand. But specifically, you you watch it for her. So you know, this was a great match. Love to see the 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 camaraderie after the match. And she she really is having, like you said, Willow's having a banner year. Athena, I think this is what she always wanted to do and be in WWE, but it was the wrong environment. And now she's really getting to thrive, and it's it's just it's amazing. As a fan, I just love seeing it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Rinnabon is in a really good place right now. They do keep overperforming on shows, even if they're not getting much build. I think that's the biggest, could be comments on what you do. I don't see enough of what's going to go happen in Ring of Honor before it actually happens, or we should see more of it. Um, but again, I should watch the TV show every week as well. <laughs> it's part of my own thing. You know, part of my own fault. I should get on Honor Club and watch that every week if I want to keep in touch with stuff. But, you know, I think they're doing pretty well at the moment. How are you feeling? How are you feeling, what, we're 18 months into the TK ownership? How are you feeling about it? I like it. I dig it. Like I said, I think, you know, you look at, you know, names like Claudio and Athena, they're, they're really getting to thrive in a different way properly as champions. Um, and, and really, you know, uh, help continue to build a brand and keep it on the map. Also, you know, kudos to, you know, Khan, you know, got to get a man credit when this dude, you, you know, it was a good idea, you know, kind of, you know, uh, getting the update on the, on the, on the titles if you will, and, and kind of mixing, mixing some of that old aesthetic and, 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 and with the, with some new flair, if you will, that's been great. Uh, and I just think, you know, like I said earlier, this has been a great way to bring in names that really would just be floundering and treading water on, on AEW across its various different shows and come to Ring of Honor and really be put time into and really find themselves and really have the matches and feuds and find themselves in scenarios to really thrive as as performers because this you know across this brand and just AEW in general specifically this is a lot of names this man employs and you really do because we talked about it so early on like you got all these toys but you have nowhere to necessarily put them and put them consistently the way it makes sense now you see guys like Brian Cage find his his way in a way and and and, and so many others so um, I think I think they've got a good head of steam on them I hope. The amount of importance and consistency in shows like this continues. Um, and certainly just coming off what we talked about, Zero Hour continues to, you know, uh, be a showcase for, for, you know, guys to really show up and show out. Uh, and, yeah, I think you, you keep this up and it's, it's going to be great. Obviously, I don't know if it's going to be setting out 80,000 arenas. I mean, 80,000 seat arenas. Um, 
You don't need to. You just need to keep that brand strong because a lot of people are, are still Ring of Honor diehards, and I think these shows very much cater to them as well as the people who have come on board in recent years, you know, with the brand. So, um, and also keep the women main eventing. Mm. <laughs> you know, not mm-hmm. a bad idea. More than once. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nice segue there, sir. We're going to look at AEW and the small show that apparently is happening. In, in some kind of yeah. wrestling venue in London. Yeah, just a minor house show for these guys. Minor house. Yes. Uh, at the Wembley Stadium, uh, which I may or may not be attending. I'm going to see if I can get tickets this week. We'll see, see, see how we go. It's the three-hour drive there and back. with kind of just my head in, but we'll see. On the undershow, we only have books so far. Aussie Open, Carl Fletcher and Martin Davis versus Adam Gole and MJF. Your thoughts, sir, is this is an intriguing matchup as the two wrestlers will be wrestling in the main event as well. Yeah, man, I always appreciate when guys don't mind going, you know, double duty, uh, you know, because that, that's a lot. These are not uh, easy scenario matches. You could take any type of uh, day off, if you will. I'm pulling for Ozzy Open here. I just don't gel with MJF. I am going, honestly. Um, <laughs> I, I, th- I, think it's, I think it's been, you know, individually or together. Um uh, kind of just waiting for that proverbial shoot to drop in anyway with them together. Uh, that's MJ, MJF's MO. And uh, yeah, but, but it's it, 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 also Adam Coles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to be fair. Kind of know where it is with Coles. It's what it's always been. It's kind of what it's always going to be. Um, and if you're not on board with it, you're just not. But um, yeah, I mean, it has been interesting seeing what they've done with this whole better than you baby situation it has provided you know content across the shows consistently building up to this um definitely been something for mjf to do and cole as well coming off of you know a very uncertain uh injury that he had so um i think that's that's aiding him as well and um like i said they pulling double duty i just i don't know if you go uh have them win the tag titles and then uh However, the, the main event's going to resolve. Could provide interesting story if they want to keep this thing going. But to me, you know, I wouldn't personally do that to Ozzy Open, specifically coming off such a recent title win. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I think just Ozzy Open has just been brilliant. They, they ought to get a good run with those titles. So, you know. It'd be interesting to see uh, what happens with that one. The then main show will open, apparently. This isn't necessarily an announced order. This is the order that's on the cage match page. CM Punk will defend the real AEW World TV Champion against Ring of Honor TV Champion Samoa Joe. Joe undefeated in Ring of Honor, but cannot get past CM Punk in AEW. This is the lifeblood rivalry for both men. It's defined their career, and they get to play out on the biggest stage possible. So this should be intriguing. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Yeah, I don't really care about the whole real World Championship uh, narrative here. I just want to see these two guys go at it again. Um, it all it obviously would, would would have more meaning to me if 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 Joe's title was on the line, but that's just me. Uh, just with the with the Ring of Honor history uh, between these guys, but yeah, um, you don't even need nothing on the line. Just these two just want to rip each other's heads off alone. Uh, I think it was last night when it was Collision when uh, <laughs> Punk dressed up as like the Golden Vampire and 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 Samley got one up off on Joe, who probably thought he was gonna have an easy night. Um, I called him with to go to sleep. So, um, yeah, the, the saga continues. And, and the whole narrative of 
him being undefeated in the Ring of Honor but not being able to beat Sam Punk and Ring and and uh, AEW is uh is is great. And I don't I don't know if they've even brought that up. How they brought that up on commentary? Because I don't know. Yeah, so that's that's uh, uh it would be great if they did because that's also a continuing narrative uh, that just amps things up. But uh yeah, I'm just looking forward to see the match because that last one was good and I think it it can only uh get better with with more intensity. So. Um, oh God, Chris Jericho versus Will Ospreay. Depends on which Jericho showing up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm wondering if this would just be Will Ospreay having a match around Chris Jericho, mm. um, which is the strong possibility. I mean, I'm, I, I'm off for a burger either way, but um, it, yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. I <laughs> one of the Irish podcasts this week described because Will Ospreay did a run in on the Dynamite this week to set this match up and described Will Ospreay's looking like, um, uh, oh god, what was it? A, a year eight, a year eight apprentice that's just got just coming waiting for the bus to take him for his first day at work. That was like, and they, they were like, oh, no one's going to get that reference. And I was like, no, I get that reference exactly because <laughs> it's just a like, What are you wearing? But yeah, um, I mean, it'll blow the roof off the place, no, no doubt, because you know it's a British guy on the show. I don't get why people were saying, "Oh, he'll draw massively," because he doesn't draw here. You know, he draws all right, but there's there's not an awful lot. There's a big difference between 800 people in New York Hall, which he doesn't consistently draw. <laughs> you know, I get 80,000 people at Wembley. That's a drop we in the about, ocean. That's off. You talking about Jericho? Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. Like Jericho, Jericho is an all-time classic wrestler who will draw forevermore, you know. And and yeah. Will is a good chat. Yeah, Will in Japan, yeah, he could draw those big numbers. If you, you could put him on a show in the Tokyo Dome, and he would definitely draw big numbers. But he will not draw big numbers in the UK because he's just not. It just used to remind me of like when um, Finn Balor as Prince Devitt was best of Super Juniors champion and and won the junior heavyweight title, literally couldn't walk the streets of Tokyo and then would fly home to the small town he lived in in the west of Ireland and nobody knew who he was. <laughs> wow. You know, it's like it's one of those things in the sense of there's a big wrestling fan base here, but it's not that big. There are more AEW fans than there are Will Ospreay fans, if that makes sense. No, no, I get No, it, it makes all the sense in the world. Uh, like I said, uh, Depends on what Jericho showing up. Like you said, you would hate for it to be uh, him working around Chris Jericho. But sometimes, like he's another one of those guys, like a you know, like a Orton, like a Brock. If if he wants to turn it on, he's gonna turn it on. Um, specifically, if he's not in dad vibe mode. Um, I mean, well, I mean, him and Jericho, Osprey and Jericho have been friends for a few years now. Osprey does the Jericho cruise, and you know, they've, they've gelled, I think, as friends. So I think that's probably the reason why this match is happening. Yeah, um, um, and that's that's how wrestling goes, and that's fine. You know, <laughs> nepotism will always drive wrestling one way or another. Um, yeah. yeah, so and I, yeah, I think Osprey will bump for him, and it'll be a good match, and I think it'll be fine. Just not yeah, I'll almost, a good yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I almost would because because the way that the running happened, it, it almost would, uh, from a sheer match perspective, it almost would be kind of interesting. To, uh, for me, just thinking about it, if something happened where Jericho couldn't do the match and Guevara had to sub for him, mm. 
for him mm-hmm. to step in for him just from a sheer match perspective because we know what he's capable of. Uh, that sounds he, more interesting, to be honest with you. Yeah. 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 Because, um, you know, no matter, you know, even, you know, how people feel about him outside the ring, the, the, the kid is uh, the kid is some, somebody to watch. And, and comparing how he is with, with Allspray and what they're both capable of, I think that'll be brilliant to see. But um, and maybe that's something they'll play out later, depending on if they extend this. Who knows? With everything going on with with Callis and you know this, his 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 little faction, so we'll see. But uh, this match will be interesting uh, to see how that plays out. But I guess if I had to pick somebody, I'd go with uh, I guess I'd go with Jericho. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I mean, I have the possibility that Osprey wings just because he beat Kenny Omega. <laughs> the thing is, like, you know, it's, it's like he's the current IWGP. Oh my God, United Kingdom champion. Did you know about this? The IWGP United Kingdom champion? After the, after the G1 climax, Will requested that New Japan Pro Wrestling rename it the IWGP United Kingdom champion and a custom belt made. Okay. Um, it, it looks slightly less hideous than the original belt which was hideous so i suppose that's mild improvement but it is just like but it's so it's so awkward because they can't call it the british heavyweight championship because rev pro a partner of new japan pro wrestling and who will is a regular for have the undisputed british heavyweight championship so they can't call it that so it is just like oh my god this is awkward <laughs> it's like that was just a bit shit it just like sums up everything. Oh, it's so on the nose. But there we go. Anyway, shall we move on before I um, my brain goes pop? Best friends Chuck Taylor and Trent Barrett, along with Eddie Kingston and the Lucha Brothers, will take on Blackpool oh, and Orange Cassidy. Um, hang on, Orange Cassidy's in Best Friends. Oh, the whole yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll go up against Blackpool Combat, Class Steel, Plastic Knowledge, John Moxley, Wheeler Utah, and three other people yet to be named. I guess we will find out those people this week. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, there's a lot going on there. I don't know yeah, who the other three people are, that's, or who they could be either. Yeah. yeah, these stadium stampede matches are always interesting to say the least. Um, it's kind of kind of becomes a one of AEW staples at this point. Uh, well, yeah, a big stadium to do it in, I suppose. That is the major advantage. Yeah, absolutely, and, and, and it's very, very much convenient considering the owner, you know. So, um, <laughs> so uh, nothing else. Like I said, it's going to be, you know, a spectacle. But those three names are definitely going to be interesting because obviously, the other side is pretty much set. Um, so it is going to, like I said, those those three other names definitely going to be interesting. Do you get a trio? Do you get just to randomly put three guys together? Um, so who knows? But uh, this is this is gonna be an interesting cluster. I'll tell you that. Yeah, something that might be a bit more put together. Jay White, Juice Robinson will tag with Kansiki Takashita, under uh, the tutelage of Don Callis against the Golden Elite, Adam Page, Kenny Omega, and Kota Ibushi. Well, we saw how good Kota Ibushi is right now. <laughs> That's the Glate Show, uh, Megaver the other week. Um, this should be really good. I'm really looking forward to that one. What's your thoughts on this one? Oh, no, absolutely. You know, uh, the cast is good. You know, uh, you know, Juice, we all know how good Juice is and Jay White, you know, uh, 
you know, it's already cheered as, as a performer, man. Uh, absolute stud. And then the Golden Elite, you know, Golden Bush and Omega, you know, is better than most people, you know, bottoms, better than most trios just together. And then you add Paige in there who does this thing as well. So, like you, I'm very much looking forward to seeing that this could potentially steal the show. Uh, I would take the so. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this. It's very much going to be the sleeper hit. So definitely looking forward to that one. I'm pulling, I'd say, you know, like I said, they're on a, on a bit of a roll and, and uh, about to pull them for the Golden Elite, particularly if Kota goes into his legendary um, Deathbird mode. It's staring at you, taking everything you got and knocking your block off. We'll have to see what happens there. Darby Allen and Sting will take on the Mogul Embassy, AR Fox and Swerve Streetland. Oh, yeah, AR Fox joined the Mogul Embassy. Forgot to tell you that. <laughs> That's happened since that show. Um, mm. Yes. This seems odd. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's, it comes off brilliant for us Lucha Underground fans who remember that long standing beef they had. Um, in the. In the uh, in the temple, if you will, that that long-standing, I guess, that army rivalry coming off of the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that that's been great. But like you said, they all fight. It does does come off a little weird. But like I said, they they found something for him to do that works with a bit of historical context with him and Shane uh, going against Darby Allen and Sting. The 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 the, the, the pop and son pair that they've become. Um, yeah. And and we. Yeah, we're gonna be getting Joker Sting, my one of my probably my favorite version of the man. Uh, the I just I just don't want Sting taking no unnecessary pumps here. Just let well, Darby do it. Sting's first tour of the UK was exactly thirty years ago. Believe it or not, maybe twenty nine years ago. To the, to the day. Uh, to the summer, to the month, I think. Okay. And gotcha. WCW did their first European tour, and they did. He took the belt off Vader in Dublin on the Monday and dropped it back to Vader in London on the Friday, and he was champion for the week. Um, and he wrestled Big Van Vader in the main event every night for a week. <laughs> yeah, that's how. That's how so that, they, compared to that, this will be relatively easy. <laughs> yeah, I just don't. I just don't want an old Sting, man, taking no dog and diving double stomps through a table. Like, just leave that to Darby, please. You've got to come in, hit your moves, maybe pull out your bat, sneak it. I mean, it's a coffee match. At that, at that point, you know, then, you know, whatever's clever in the match. But, uh, yeah, I just I just want the OG to, to kind of stay grounded. And uh, this this could be a, this is going to be another match to watch. Here's, here's the thing for you. Here's something I'd like. Okay. Just, just one last thing. I know he had his match tagging. We moved to the other last the year, maybe in his last Japanese trip. But there's no LIJ partners for um, World Tag League this year. You could have Yotsuji and Shingo Takagi, but wouldn't Shingo Takagi and Sting in World Tag League be so much more fun? <laughs> After that interaction that they had, that I said, yeah. I, I, I see where I'm coming from. NATO's busy. He's got to wrestle Jeff Cobb. He's not that interested in wrestling Jeff Cobb, obviously, because he's NATO. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Shingo, Shingo, again, Shingo Takagi, nothing to do. World Tag League with Sting. I'm just saying. That Dragon Crow connection, come yeah, on. Yeah, I'm laying things out there. 
Shingo could do all of the work and then sting a splash all them. So just saying. Just saying. No. Book it. Book it. Are you listening, Ghetto? We were really nice to you last week. Anyway, Kirishida <laughs> and Soraya, along with Tony Storm and Dr. Britt Baker, were the four-way for the AW Women's World Championship match. Akurashida is one of my all-time favorite wrestlers, two-time champion now. Uh, it was like, you know, everyone was going mad about Osprey not being on the card until recently. And I'm like, there's Soraya. I mean, I know she's not the most popular person, but she was literally in a film that was produced by The Rock. <laughs> if you want somebody with name household recognition in wrestling in the UK, <laughs> so there you go. Um, no one seemed to agree with me. Anyway, yes, that will happen. I have a feeling it'd be quite good. I don't know what else to say about it because it's like, again, four-way matches kind of done. You could have done this with Akira Shida and Soraya and it would have been fine. Um, you didn't need the other two. And I'm not sure it improves the situation. It just is what it is. What do you think? Yeah, I just want Sheeta to retain. You know, love yeah. Sheeta. She's, yeah, she's been somebody that's been very much consistent even when she's been pushed to the background. Um, and, and amongst all the ups and downs with the women, like I said, she's been one of the, more, the, the most consistent things going. Uh, I kind of feel the same way about Baker that I feel about Cole. Um, and uh, Tony's kind of finding her way with, 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 I guess, this new version of a character. Uh, Soraya hasn't had as much room being with that new faction to, to kind of do stuff on her own a bit. Um, and she's seemingly kind of in some ways going to be support for Tony, although that that could this match could prove to be uh, the beginning of a potential dissension with that because obviously all rule bets are off when the title's on the line. So um, I don't doubt this could, this could be, you know. Real solid affair. I just want you know Sheeta to win because amongst all the confusion, uh, she's come out to, to grab this title. Not this thing. She should get a good uh, continue to get a good run with it. Especially with like um, Tammy Storm's so definitely switching characters. Like I yeah. haven't seen the show. I've just seen it on on um, on X Twitter. Yeah. I've just seen it on Twitter, and you know it's like um, it, it's called you know. It, it, it's, it just makes sense, you know, like for that faction to maybe they have run their time or they need to change. So we'll see. Oh, ooh. Bail permission, notwithstanding, FDR will defend the AEW World Tag Team Championships against the Young Bucks, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson, arguably the two best tag teams of the last 20 years. This has to be that good. It can't not be that good. These two teams have such a reputation to defend. This has to be mind-blowingly good, like on another level good. If it isn't, everyone goes home disappointed and the biggest show in history, and you can't do that. So this has to be good. Whether it'll even happen or not is down to a judge. So we'll see, won't we? What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Yeah, that bit of news literally came out of nowhere. I'm like, the hell is this? Oh, they hit that really well. <laughs> yeah, they. Yeah, but you, you know, you know how X is. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna go digging and put it out. Um. So yeah. Um. So very weird there, but with this, it's kind of hard saying talking about how how much this match has to deliver when technically FTR has already peaked <laughs> with um the Briscoes. Yeah. That's the trouble. Is like, is it going to be that good? 
I'm not, I mean, they had great matches with Bishamon as well. They've got potentially great matches. Well, they've had great matches with Aussie Open in New Japan too. They've been at such a high level. And I'm not saying the books haven't, but the books haven't had a consistent tag team run for quite some time. You know, they've had tag team matches. And these kind of things need momentum to get you going, you know. So I'm 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 absolute I have ultimate faith in the books when it comes between them ropes, there ain't none better. Um so we'll see. But it it's gotta be good. Can't be bad. Can't even be mediocre. It can't even be less than perfect. It has to be as good as it possibly can be. And that's true. That's yeah. a tricky thing to pull off when you've literally had some of the best wrestling matches ever in the last three years. Absolutely. Teams, you know. Hopefully, yeah. And hopefully they, they get the time needed because we don't know, know how long that dog going to stay and Pete's going to go. Um, <laughs> we, know, we know how they like to make those extended editions live. So, um, like you said, judges' permission permitting um, that uh, they, they they get to put on an absolute banger because you know they got to they have to. I mean, this is the, one of the biggest wrestling calls of all time, if not you know motored as the biggest. So um, they got to they got to definitely got to show up and show out. Yeah, for sure. And our main event is the AW World's Heavyweight Championship: MJF versus Adam Cole. I think everything everything riles up on what happens in the tag team match on the undercard. <laughs> so it's difficult to predict what will happen. I have a good idea of what will happen. And I'm kind of fun to letting it all play out. And it is the biggest angle they've actually built to and run and paid off this year, which hasn't been the, like you know on their biggest show. They've actually managed to pay this off. There was arguments that could say All Out will be their biggest show because it's in a bigger market for them. But but this is the one where people will actually care because it's in internationally, I should say. Not to say they don't care about all out, but you know what I mean? Like the the big things will happen on this show because they've gone and done something so incredible like Phil Wembley Stadium on a show, on, from a TV show base that's on at one o'clock in the morning or like Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. heavily edited. <laughs> you know, this isn't yeah. like three a week later you know it's not like it's like the old days with wcw we don't get we don't get dynamite the same night you get dynamite we get dynamite on friday nights oh okay yeah like, no, if, you're, if you're serious about watching wrestling nobody watches it on itv they stream it illegally because they'd have to wait three days gotcha. so y'all yeah. y'all get that when, yeah. we, when we get rampage yeah. um yeah so that's and, and correct me if i'm wrong is all our book like two weeks after this oh yeah yeah, okay. All right. Uh, so, <laughs> Steph from um, Worldwide Wrestling was pointing out two like two pay-per-views in two weeks is, is, is quite something. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm a New Japan fan. That happens on a regular basis. You get two I'm pay-per-views glad. in two days. <laughs> in different cities sometimes. Oh, yeah. Man. So, But I understand what they're saying. This, this, is the, this is two massive shows. This isn't just two big shows. This is two humongous shows, one after the other. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's go like you said, a lot of it is going to be dictated by that, uh, by that tag match because, you know, uh, while everything has kind of been honky-dory up until that point, you know, kind of, kind of bets off. Like, you know, one man... Don't necessarily need two titles. He just focused on keeping one, the triple B, uh, if you will, from him. So uh, we'll very much see 
um, how they tell it, like you said, they told it good up until this point. They just gotta, they just gotta not, you know, get it, get it to home here. So we'll see how this goes. Um, I put this. <laughs> Texas politicians have a strategy called DF um, DFIU, which is don't fuck it up. Which is essentially yeah. what they have to do here. They need to get home with a solid card when nothing bad happens in front of a massive crowd and they have to send that crowd home happy and that's a lot of pressure um but if anything AEW's proved that they can do it and they've done it time and time again and you know it's like always gets me wrong with those like anti-AW like AEW botches on Twitter and other people like that because it's like they're not going away they are, will be there for a long time. And no matter how you point out, you point out somebody slipped up on a pile driver, it's not going to take them off the air. So why are you bothering? Yeah, if you don't like so it, don't watch it. They're still going to sell 80,000 tickets for the show. And it's not like it's not a million other things for you to watch. And that's in wrestling, ironically enough. <laughs> um, it's, like, it's like we got as many wrestling situations we have. It feels like TV shows at this point. Um, but yeah, you know, the don't F it up is a is a real thing and, and like I said, the the, the tribalism uh around the, the community of you know, wrestling fans is just it's it's pointless. If you like wrestling, you'll watch what you wanna watch and watch what you enjoy and, and save all the, the, the unnecessary babble for people who don't have lives. But uh Yeah. Like I said, send them home yeah, send them home happy, I think is uh definitely like you said the approach. With this car, do you think they let this car just be the thing that 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 gets the job done, or do you do you can you see them potentially, you know, giving us a surprise appearance by anybody? So, uh, we still don't know who the three people are in that tag match with um, Blackpool Combat Club. Yeah, I can't see. There's no one. The only people I can think of who are big enough draw to make a splash is Drew McIntyre, but he's kind of gone yeah. back. Um, yeah. Me and Cy, Cy Hunter were actually, not Cy Hunter, Cy Heath, my friend Simon Heath, who's been on the Tribune show many times, were discussing this at the beginning of summer, like, who is there? Well, the biggest names in British wrestling are already on the card. Soraya is the biggest name in British wrestling in the last 20 years, and she's on the card. So I don't see who they add. The Valley Osprey, that's fine. Um, Ricky Knight Jr., is, who's Soraya's kid brother, is a possibility, I suppose. Uh, he works, he wrestles for Rev Pro and Progress, but the issue there is no one knows who he is because he wrestles for Rev Pro and Progress. <laughs> you know, his like uncle is more famous because he was in that film. <laughs> his dad is sure. more famous because he was in that film too. You know, um, and they're unlikely to like hire Roy because he's in his late forties and you know he he's been a wonderful journeyman wrestler. Uh, but again, he's not likely to like make it on that particular show, um, and nor are they going to pick up Roy either, um, so Zach either, for similar reasons. So it is just like, yeah, it, 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 it's. I don't see any surprises from the British point of view. There might be big international names, people throwing around Goldberg as a possibility, but I don't see him going unless yeah, people, ridiculous people. amount of money. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying. Between what you're gonna initially be paying and plus, you know, uh the 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 accommodation tickets, uh is accommodation fees is, is 
could be at a different level. Um, yeah. Seeing some people yeah. throwing out edge, which I that doesn't necessarily make sense to me. Obviously, you know, he, he recently I think just wrestled his last match uh, contractually. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't know if I can say that. Yeah, I don't see him jumping ship so soon like that in that crazy of a way. I don't even think he needs would need to do something like that. I don't know where that initially came from, but again, it's the internet, you know. So. It's difficult as well because with the new ownership of WWE, they don't seem to be bothered about no compete clauses. If you're gone, you're gone. Like they're not doing things to screw other people over. They're just running a business. So like, yeah, which, 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 which means is. things are going to be more surprising for them. You know, you can yeah. say AW can probably pull people out of the middle of nowhere for, for stuff like this, which is going to be interesting. But there was like yeah. uh, Lacey Evans was another one this week who just kind of ran out of contract and didn't bother resigning and wasn't asked and or whatever happened. And she was just gone. No big fanfare that she was gone. She was just gone. So I have a feeling that's going to be, you're going to get more surprises because they aren't running WWE like a traditional wrestling company anymore. It's an, it is purely an entertainment form now. So therefore, they aren't playing by the old rules of carny wrestling promoters. They're doing their own thing. And the obedient thing is we have someone here who is not used to us. They don't particularly want to work for us. Okay, then let them go. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, to rest, that's an anathema to a wrestling promotion. No, we must make them suffer for leaving our, leaving our organization. Ah! There you go. So. Yeah, we shall see. Well, thank you for joining us today. If you are going to the show on Sunday, I hope you have a wonderful time. Really enjoy it. Please let us know how you get along with the show. Um, I would like to thank Mr. Mark Green, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, for his thoughts today. Where can we find you on the internet, sir? Man, always a pleasure. Glad we got caught up on Ring of Honor. You can find me on, you know, Elon's Hellscape, his ego trip, uh, a place where apparently you can no longer block people. Uh, oh, yay. <laughs> it's a good it's, job. There's no Nazis and horrible right-wing lunatics on the on, on X. Is the Narcos? Yet another middle finger to your to to the people you're supposed to be serving. Um, mm. Vintage Musk. Vintage. Um, yesterday, I sent tweets, uh, yesterday I sent a tweet to somebody which used the words Elon and idiot in the same sentence. I did not call Elon an idiot, and he got flagged. <laughs> Twitter users don't necessarily like this response. Oh my god! And, anyway, but yes, carry on. You yeah. yeah, you can you can find you can find me on uh, at that bottomless well of <laughs> iniquity at Paradox Kid P A R A D O X K I D. Uh, always down the chat to logical individuals. There you go. You, you can maybe offer uh, Marcus some good lifeboats. Um, uh, social media to go to when the inevitable eventually happens. We've been saying this for like a year now and it's not gone away, but there you go. Um, <laughs> you can find me at Sheriff Lone Star on the Hellscape, uh, and on Instagram, Sheriff Lone Star TX, and on Mastodon, Sheriff, so, Sheriff Lone Star social users. I think I'm on that server. Go find me there. I'm, I'm getting the hang of Mastodon. People started liking my toots, although apparently they're not allowed to be called toots anymore. They're called posts now because the boss of Mastodon is joyless. Anyway, um, you can also find the show Troopany Show on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, so find us on Instagram as Troopany Show. You can also find the Troopany Show on uh, Patreon and on Facebook. 
we'll be back next week. Now, me and Marcus have got two Glate shows to look at, so we may be back with some Glate stuff. If we don't get a chance to do that, uh, me and Matty Rob are talking about something else as well. So we'll keep you in suspense. Dun, dun, dun. Take care, and we'll see you soon. Enjoy your wrestling. Bye. <laughs>